Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. My name is Chris Birch and I'm the middle school pastor here at Brookwood. This message was recorded at one of our breakout sessions during our phase event. The purpose of this event is to recognize that every life stage of your child's development is critical in their spiritual upbringing. During this podcast, Stuart Mathis and Kristen Collins will explore the adventure of raising children grades first through fourth. Also on our podcast channel, you can find messages for other age groups as well as some specific issues you may face while raising your children to live Christ-like lives. All right, so you've already gotten a lot of information, learned about the phases that your kids have gone through, are going through, or are going to go through. But you may be wondering which one is most important. Some of you are probably like me and want to know the answer, so when you get tested at the end of the day, you will know the answer to give. Don't worry, no test, it's all good, okay? So the most important phase is the one that you are in right now. Let me say that again. The most important phase in your kid's life is the one that you're in right now. They're going to grow up. They're going to get older. Don't try and get them there too soon. You want them to be there in that phase that they're in right now. That's your number one fill-in. Yes, that's number one on the fill-in. Yes. In case you want to fill it in. (laughs) They probably do. They might not. Well, okay. All right, so what does this phase look like? First through fourth grader. Here's, a, here's an overall family ministry map. You all should have gotten this. Um, so you can see these kids are learning different things as they go from being in preschool to elementary, learning more about their faith, um, gaining more wisdom in school, trying to find their identity. So as they're getting older, they're going to be changing all the time. All right, so remember, not every kid is at the same place. All the things you're going to hear about are suggested milestones, so don't freak out if your kid's not where you think they should be based on other people's kids. That's all right. Your kid is your kid. Kids are starting to move from thinking like an artist to thinking like a scientist at this age. So we're going to start with these age groups a little bit at a time. Let's start with the first graders. So you got yourself a precious little six-year-old. And they're, you're probably starting to know some changes in them. They're going to school, and they come home, and they're like, mom, 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 dad, 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 dad. And you're like, oh, my gosh, if you just don't stop talking, we're going to have issues, right? Because I've been there, so I can tell you that. <laughs> and what's happening is when they're in school, they're vying for their teacher's attention with 20 other kids on a good classroom. There's about 20, 22 kids in a class. And so all this one teacher has to vie, trying to give all these kids their attention, and they can't say, so come home, and they want to tell you everything that happened so they talk and then they talk and then they ask lots of questions and then they ask some more and then we're going to see in this clip you're going to feel like you're being interrogated but it's just because you're a parent where do you live in the city do you have a house apartment on a rent rent what do you do for a living lots of things where's your office i don't have one how come i don't need one where's your wife don't have one how come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair and you know than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. <laughs> Anybody ever felt like that before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're, you know, like I said, they're in school and this is why they're asking you questions because they have these long stories, but their brain can't decompress from what just happened in school. So you get in segments. You get that Johnny pushed me on the playground or that Sally has red shoes on, but that's all you really know until they get older. And so they're trying to figure out their own personalities and how they 
So this time we're trying to help them define who they are so we can work on their personalities. Yes. So as you listen to these stories and questions, you can easily find yourself kind of dozing off, zoning out a little bit. Um, We as parents need to allow our kids the opportunity to get this out of their system. They're still learning how to express themselves. So you have to listen and find the little nuggets that are in there. I have to confess something to you, something I'm guilty of. Actually, I've done it quite a bit in my life, and I'm sure some of you may have done this. It's a terrible thing. He does it to me. Well, yeah, I do do it to her too sometimes. I am guilty of not paying total attention when my daughter starts to tell me stories. She'll get in there and start going, and three minutes in, I'm kind of somewhere else while she's talking, and then I kind of bring it back around. But then something catches me in the middle. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Back up and go back and tell me what happened here. Usually resulting in her rolling her eyes and saying, Dad, you weren't really listening, were you? No, actually, I really wasn't. Sorry. So, But the important thing was that I still ask her to go back and tell me the story. Um, And that's okay, but it's something I do work on because it's something that is very easy to do. And if you have multiple children, which I do not, I assume, that that's even more likely to have happen. Yes? Oh, yeah. Yes, and Kristen still has two that aren't talking a whole lot. So that's good. Um, Our kids need to know that we are there for them and that we care about them. All right, so we need to be that consistency in their lives. We want them to know that we'll listen to them and care about them and love them. And it's something that we have to take the time to do even in a world that is consumed by these things. Okay, so being there for your kids does not mean... Hey, what's up? What? How are you? I like you can't, you can't just be buried in this and be there for your kids. And again, something we all struggle with, because I do it too. So we have to make sure that we are going to do that for them. We need them to know that we love them, we're there, and we care. Because the next thing you know, they're going to be moving up to the next grade and the next phase. That's right. Now we're in second grade, and they're growing up fast. And as you can tell, they don't stop telling stories. And now their stories are getting a little bit more detail. And guess what that means for us? We have More to listen. listening. And we're terrible at it as parents. <laughs> Kids in this grade want things to be fair and equal. And they don't understand why things are different for different people. For instance, why did Johnny get to be the head of the line and I didn't? Why that could get in trouble, but this kid pushed him first. They're always trying to figure that stuff out. So let me ask you a question. What are you excited about? This group's not excited about nothing's doing. I know. Let's try this done. again. Hey, what are you guys excited about? Somebody want to share what they're passionate about? Nope. Wow, that There's no flat. passion. Okay. Passion, what are you passionate about? Like anything. 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 I love to read. You love, love to read. Do your awesome. girls like to read? Okay. In our house, it's football, right? In Gretchen's house, it's reading. <laughs> <laughs> Football's on my list, Gretchen. Come on. <laughs> And, but see, your kids are going to be passionate about what you're passionate about. Your kids are going to like what you like at this age because they're wanting to please you. They want you to know that they can talk to you about that book that they just read or that football team that was just played on TV. For In our house, like I said, we're a house divided by orange. My husband is a huge Tennessee fan, and I'm a huge Tiger fan. Corbin, he's a huge Panther fan. We're not really sure how he got the blue, but there you go. But that's just our football family. And then you have Savannah, who doesn't like football, but she doesn't count. <laughs> she likes to read. She likes to read. She should be a Christian's <laughs> family. <laughs> um, but they're striving. They're also striving to get their own in- level of independence, 
And they want to be to go places by themselves. They, they want to be able to go to Claire's house down the street. They want to be able to go run to get the mail without you hovering at the door. They want to run to the car to go get something out of it. Whatever it means, it gives them a level of independence. And it's tough. It's very tough to let go. Um, so we as parents, how do we deal with this? Well, as we see our kids working through trying to understand this fairness and equality, we can take the time to teach them about it. We are the ones who have the opportunity to teach them that not everything in life is fair, unfortunately, but that there are good reasons sometimes for it. Someone tried harder so they got a better grade. And then use an example for your life. Maybe there was a time that someone got a job instead of you. Okay, Take that opportunity to tell them that. Explain what happened, what you thought about it, and how your reaction was. Using examples from your life always works wonders for your kids. As you continue to, to have these discussions, think about what else you say. Think about those passions and what you do and then the, what your kids want to do too. It's great to like things. It's great to like different teams. But does your passion lead to exclusivity or does it breed contempt for other people? Yes, I don't like Carolina. Which one? Uh, not Clemson, South Carolina. Okay, but you don't have contempt for the people who root for them, All I hope. Right. Well, she better not. That's contempt for me. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Um, it's okay. We need to teach our kids it's okay for somebody to root for another team or like something or believe something different politically from us, but then we don't have to hate them for doing so. Healthy excitement's awesome and fun, but keep it fun and let them decide if they like it. If you've ever tried to force your kids to play a sport or do something, how's that worked out for you? Not really that good usually, okay? Um, I really wanted Samantha when she was little. I'm a huge baseball fan. I've coached baseball. Love it. Like, you're going to play softball? She's like, no, I don't want to. I threw a ball and it almost hit her because she jumped out of the way. So we have not played softball. So there you go. Um, Kids are trying to become independent, and they're going to form their own ideas of what they like and what they don't like. So how have you learned things in your life? Me personally, I've learned a lot from the mistakes I've made in my life, and I have made a lot of mistakes. You've made mistakes? I'm perfect. Well, I know you are, but it took me a while to get to here. I'm fancy. Yes, you are. Um, In fact, if I were to tell you all of my mistakes, we'd probably be here the rest of the night, and nobody wants to do that and hear all of those. But you know what? They help make me who I am today. Let your kids try to do things. Are they going to mess up? Absolutely. But you got to let them have the mistakes. Let them have that responsibility for it. But then teach them. When they have to come and rebound from those mistakes, let them know, hey, you know what? I did the same kind of thing when I was growing up, and this is what it did for me. So they can see that, and they can ask questions. And you have to be honest. Now, you might not have to give every gory little detail of what happened. But you can give some generalizations when you're being honest. And don't forget, still going to be getting those stories. Still have to search for the nuggets and what they're saying. Something's going to happen in fourth grade as well. That's right. Now we're in fourth grade. And the kids' substance will be changing. They will be talking about their friends now. I'll be there for you. Our we kid- went with the reference that maybe most of the people in the room would get. I almost didn't get it, but that's okay. <laughs> Our kids' lives might be consumed with what their BFFs are doing. Does everybody know what a BFF is? <laughs> okay, no questions. See, that was good, right? Well, that was, Right, yes. okay. We've got some hip people in our office we do. today. You might notice them dressing, talking, and acting like they're friends. They're forming relationships that can last the rest of their lives, or for at least that moment. 
their world, their world will live and die with their friends. Sometimes they can be conflicted because at the same time they are hanging out with their friends, they're developing their own personality and identity. They want to be more independent for us. Did you know that? Yes, I did That's know they sad. want to be more independent. Do you know when I heard my, my independence thing? Is Samantha was in, um, had just gotten into fifth grade. And so I said to her, I said, hey, Samantha, I've got Friday off. Can I come and eat lunch with you? She goes, you know, Dad, it's okay if you don't ever come and eat lunch with me again at school. I was like, oh, pull that knife out. That really hurt. So, yes, that independence. It's, I don't like independence. I don't either. Um, I, I did notice one thing here. Sorry, our slides got messed up. Um, Number six, seven, and eight in fourth grade, the answers are on the back at the bottom of your fill-in. They don't match quite with where the slides are, so I apologize about that. See, Stuart makes another mistake. It's okay, though. Hey, everybody has those days. Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> I don't even know That's Hannah Montana, anymore. if you don't know that reference. They want, they want to be more independent from us, but need to figure out who they are. They think that they can do things better and faster than anyone else. If you want to see something get done, have a fourth grader do it as a contest. In our house, we have everything erased. If I want dishes washed, I'm like, let's see who can wash them the quickest. So we're washing dishes, we're vacuuming, we're sweeping. Mind you, I have lots of kids, so everybody partakes. Everybody but cash. I make Jason, even to get your husband to do stuff, have him race with you too. Because it's then whoever has to do it has to do push-ups at our house, which nobody likes to do push-ups. <laughs> it's like physical, physical work. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> but it works. Sometimes um, it's easier to just let them win. I mean. <laughs> oh, No. But they love to compete, and they want to be the best and the first at everything. And they are unstoppable. They will keep going even if it means running into walls. We have lots of holes in ours because of that. As parents, then how can we harness this and work with our kids through this age? Well, so how do we know about our kids' friends? Well, we have to do that thing that's hard to do. We have to listen to our kids' stories. They're going to talk about the people in their lives, and we have to search the words that they're using to find out who their friends are and what they're doing together. So I think about if Samantha were to come and tell me a story about her time at school that day, and she's 15, she can talk really fast and talk a lot. Um, So she gets in there, and Savannah's the same way, I know. Mm -hmm. So she gets in, and she'll tell me a story, say, okay, I left class today, I went down to the bathroom, got me a drink of water, decided I'd go on down to the cafeteria, and then I stopped at the library and got a book, and then I came back to class about 20 minutes later. Whole story takes her maybe five minutes to tell me. What's the whole one little piece out of that? Somebody said hi to me in the hallway, and now she's my friend. But that, if you have to listen to the whole five minutes, pay attention to catch what was really important to her, that she has a new friend right there. Okay, So paying attention to what the little things are that they say is really, really important. And more importantly, we also need to put our kids in good situations where they'll have opportunities to make good friends. Church is a great place to do it. Knowing who they're hanging out with So you can suggest, well, maybe that's not the best place for you to be meeting friends because then you might get into things that you don't need, excuse me, that you don't need to be. We need to do this so they know that we love them and care about them. So when they're older, they don't resent us trying to find this information out in middle school and high school. But guess what? They're still going to resent you for trying to find out when they're in middle school and high school. It's okay that they come back around. Yeah, they eventually figure it out, hopefully. Um, At this age, we're always wanting them to do more around the house, and like Kristen said, make it a contest, okay? Any number of things that you can do as an end game for it, do it. 
Okay, so, okay, everybody gets done in five minutes doing their cleaning. We're going to do X. We're going to go out and have fun playing this. But you have to get your stuff done first. Then as we look at our kids in each phase, you as parents and we as the church need to remember four things. Okay, we need to remember to embrace, engage, affirm, and mobilize. We need to embrace where they are and what they're into. So that means, again, don't try and make them older than they are. If they're in first grade, let them be in first grade. If they love playing with cars on the floor, let them play with cars on the floor. Embrace it. Love it. Get down there with them. That's the engage part of this. Talk to them. Love them. And give them your time and attention. So if they are playing with cars on the floor, get down there on that level with them and start talking to them. Have fun with them. Let them know that you care about what they care about. What if I don't care? Well, you have to fake it. Okay. <laughs> she does care. I she do likes care. to play I around, really but like she really kids. does care. Um, affirm. We need, they need to hear from you how unique they are and how you love them no matter what. All your kids are unique, and this is especially true if you have multiple children, is you have to make sure to uh, embrace their uniqueness and let them know how important that is. And so if your kid wants to be unique and put a purple streak in their hair, so they want to put a purple streak in their hair. Now, maybe not during the school year because some of the schools are a little bit persnickety about that. You can use Kool-Aid. It washes out. I've never done that. Purple doesn't do well in my hair. It's kind of short, you know. You turn kind of blue, but it's okay. Maybe a Smurf. Um, ooh, Smurfs, they're fun. Um, so they need to know, again, how, much, how you love them no matter what. So that gets it, again, to that thing. If they're making mistakes, you don't crush them for it. You want to love them and let them know that. That doesn't mean you just let them get away with things, but they need to know that. And then you need to mobilize. You get ready to move to do what needs to be done to be there for them. It's a really funny sounding sentence. Um, but you need to be ready to be there, okay? So mobilizing, know that if something happens, you need to get up and go do it. And your kids need to know that you're willing to do that at any time. So if something happens, they know that you're ready to get up and come help them. So you've got their back. All right, so as we look at these four things, they can be used both in their physical lives and in their spiritual lives. Well, how can we use those spiritually? Spirituality, this is from Andy Stanley, uh, North Point Church, Church in Atlanta. He says, spirituality is determined by how well one loves, not how much one knows. All right, so something that you'll see about all of these things is we need to be present and consistent, both physically and spiritually. We as a church seek to have consistent small group leaders for your kids. How many small group leaders do we have in here? I know we have at least one Two, Betsy, raise your hand. Three, four, a large group leader, but You're still. A small group okay, so we seek to have consistent leaders, and we do. Okay, the leaders that are in here, they're here every week. They love on our kids. So, what can you do to help with that? You need to try and be consistent as well. Be here early enough each Sunday to make sure that your kid, especially in Brookwood Kids, gets into the classroom that you want them in. I know it's hard to do that weekly. But making a commitment with your family can do wonders. Your kids see that it's important to you, so then it becomes important to them. And for those of you who don't know what that means, um, um, getting here early is our classrooms will fill up sometimes. So Kay and Jeff's room will, 
immediately get 15 kids in there. So we closed the room to balance our rooms out. So if you come late, you might not be able to get in that room. But if you get here early, you can be one of those first 15 that get in. Can I request for my kid to go into a room? You can request for your kid to go into a room, and we will open that room back up. Yes. You're not going to tell me no? I will not tell you no. That's good to know. But we prefer that you're here early, and then we don't even have to have a conversation. That's good. Um, And don't forget, the kids are scientists. They understand the world through concrete evidence. They will want to test things over and over and over and over. And sometimes it's your patience. Yes, and sometimes it very much is. Okay, so if everyday moments are the pages of our lives, big moments are the turning points in the story. So as you're talking to them through all the stories relating to God and the Bible and everything that's going on, that's what we're looking at, these big turning points in the story of the Bible and in their lives. So talking back through those four things of embrace, engage, affirm, and mobilize. We want to, again, embrace where they are. Talk to them about what they learned in church. We are now posting sheets outside of each one of our classrooms in Brookwood Kids that you'll be able to see what our bottom line is, what our memory verse, and what our Bible story is for the week. So if you're up there and you see that, you can just whip out your phone, take a picture of it, and then later on you can talk to your kids about it. That way you know what we're going to be talking about that week. What does bottom line mean? The bottom line is the truth that we want them to know. Like this this right now, I think this month we've been doing contentment is the Mm -hmm. bottom line. So we want kids to know that they're content. Okay, they need to be content with what they have. Um, you can also follow Brookwood Kids on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep up to date. We've been putting out a lot of information on Facebook, so if you keep up with that. And if you have not seen some really awesome videos that we posted on Brookwood Kids, you need to go like our page and go see two of the absolute worst singers you will ever hear. But we rocked it nonetheless. Who's seen the videos? I know Andrea has. Anybody else? You need to go watch the videos. They're really funny. We tell the story of uh, Naboth's vineyard in song. So it's very good. So we need to also embrace what they're into. Ask them what they're doing in their small groups. Who's in their group? Who are they hanging out with? And have them tell you about the Bible stories they're learning. Engage them. Talk to them. In the car, at home, anywhere. It's just important that we keep talking to them. Use situations in their lives that have happened so you can show them what they could have done if the situation has not gone right. And then you need to love them. Again, even if they mess up, love them through it just like Jesus loved us. And then give them the time and attention to be present consistently. Then we need to affirm them. They need to hear from you about how good they are. Okay, God made them their beautiful creation and they need to know that. And then again, mobilize yourself. Be ready to be there for your kids, always. So Kristen's got a great story that she's going to tell. She forgot where she was, I could tell. So I'm going to give her the, I'll give her the handoff. In an effort to be present and consistent, um, I struggle with our son, Corbin. (laughs) Like I told you, he's the man, he tries so hard to be the man of the house. My husband just took a job in Columbia, and so there's lots of traveling, and so there's nights where we don't see my husband. He leaves at four in the morning, gets home at eight at night, or he's just down in Columbia. And on any given day, there's always a fight. You hear Corbin go, I hate you. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, honey. Come on, let's go. Or you hear me go, well, I hate you too right now. And that's how we fight. Um, but it's a process that requires him to feel this way because of stuff that's happened in his past. There's lots of tension. There's lots of physical changes going on in the fourth and fifth and sixth graders. And they are just overwhelmed with them. They can't process them correctly. Um, but he's, one of his things is he feels entitled to have a free day. 
I don't know if you guys give your kids free days or not, but we don't have free days at our house. There's no such thing as a lazy day that you get to prop your feet up and watch anything without doing something first. And so, no, are you supposed to sit down during the day? Oh, okay. (laughs) But he feels that we expect too much out of him. Corbin has friends that don't have to do chores. He has friends that don't have expectations on him, but we have two. I expect you to pick up after yourself and I expect you to clean up after dinner. Is that unrealistic? No, right? I, I think I'm pretty fair. I try, you know, but to him, that's unrealistic and I take away all his fun. So then recently, because cash just came in the picture, I decided that I had too much on my plate and I gave him and his sister a laundry basket with laundry detergent and bounce dryer sheets. And I said, your day Saturday, your day Sunday, do your own laundry. Because I used to get in trouble for not having their laundry done. Apparently they needed stuff to wear and I didn't have it. I have high maintenance kids. That's, that's how my daughter learned how to do her laundry too. Was she said, well, you didn't wash this. I'm like, okay, well, come on. We're going to learn how to do laundry today. So you have laundry days now. So that's one of the things that he has to do, but his friends don't have to do it. And for him, it's hard. Um, but in every phase, there's a culture where what changes will collide with what mentally they want to do. And their physical changes create tension. The culture changes for us is when I grew up, I was expected to clean the house dust, vacuum, take care of my little brother. I didn't get paid for it. That was crazy. But I didn't. Did you get paid? Nope. No, see? Got in trouble if I didn't do it, but never got paid for it. My older brother locked my little brother in a closet and said we don't have a little brother. (laughs) You know, it happens. So, but for Corbin, he just doesn't feel that that's what he needs to do. Um... And because of his culture that he's brought up in with his friends not having to do with it, he just gets really frustrated and angry and he just wants to yell and fight with us all the time. So the kids, um, I don't even know where I'm anymore. Anyways, I'll just tell you my story. (laughs) When Corbin was little, he shared a room with my bonus child, which is Christian. And Christian would tend to hurt Corbin. Um, We used to have a baby monitor in there and you'd hear Corbin cry and scream and you would find Christian doing numerous things to him. He would either be trying to suffocate him. He would either try to stab him with pencils. <laughs> um, we used to have to hide our knives because my stepson would crawl on top of the counter and grab a knife and try to stab us. So he was just very violent. But that was his other environment that he was coming from. And because that's, that's how they functioned down there. And when we brought him into our home, that was how he functioned up here. And nothing was ever fair. And Corbin got the brunt of it. Eventually... We had to take doorknobs and flip them around so you can only lock it from the outside. And we'd lock him in a bedroom and we'd move Corbin in with Savannah. And that was how we fixed that. Um, fast forward to a couple of years ago, somebody in our family attacked Corbin. And what Corbin has seen through this is that my parents will always be there to protect me. But I don't have to own anything because I did nothing wrong. That is what we have instilled in him. That he never did anything wrong. We have never let him own what happened with Christian. We never let him own what happened with our family member. What he's had to own is how he behaves now. But this 10-year-old is trapped in a 6-year-old's body. So he's, I mean, he's a hoss. Like, he's a big kid. He should be a linebacker. So he's stronger than me. And he, when he fights, like, he fights like a man. And you're trying to mangle him into doing things. And you can't. But for Corbin... He can't process like a typical 10-year-old because he's stuck. Anything that doesn't happen the right way in his world, he's stuck as a six-year-old in the, but it's mine and I want it and this is just not right and everything's not fair. 
So we fix it. We have protected him. And in the process of doing that, we have harmed him. That doesn't mean that we never told Corbin that he was wrong because we did. But we often ask ourselves, why, did, why is he acting this way? What did we do that failed him? And the truth is nothing. We just didn't have the proper tools to manage it. We didn't know what we were supposed to do. There wasn't a guy that said, okay, if your bonus kid acts this way, this is what you need to do for this one. It was trial by error. And so we just protected him and it was bad. And now you see Corbin and most people, I'd probably say there's probably a handful of people who know my Corbin and who know that he's a really great kid. Like his soul is precious and he's a wonderful kid. And you wouldn't know by looking at him that he went through all this. You wouldn't know by looking at him that our family struggles the way it does. Just because I, when people tell me all the time, well, you work at a church. Yeah, I work at a church, but we're crazy just like the rest of you. <laughs> Fix problems if all you're doing is working at a no, church. I it doesn't. Um, but I desperately want to know Corbin. I told him the other day, I said, if I could just crawl in your brain and shake it and take out all the bad memories and put back good ones, the ones I want you to remember, like when we went to Disney World or when I took you to Carowinds or, you know, whatever good things there were, that's what I want him to do. I want him to remember those good times, but he's so focused on all the negative. So one thing we're trying with him now is we reward him for good, good applications of when he does things. If he doesn't fight with us to clean off the table after dinner, I'm like, good job. We'll go outside and shoot some hoops. It does require me to take the babies outside and put them in their little thingies and they play and run and I can shoot hoops with Corbin, but allows him to feel like he's special for that moment. It, no. I played soccer growing up. I don't know nothing <laughs> about basketball. I don't understand it. But, but it seems like it helps. He's a scientist. He, the more frequently a new concept can be connected to everyday experience, the better. When something is changing for him on a day-to-day basis, he has to know about it beforehand. We can't just come in to a system and be like, okay, my teacher's not here today. If his teacher's not here today at school, I usually get a phone call that says, hey, Corbin's having a hard day. What's going on? And it's usually, I'll just come pick him up and we'll figure it out and whatever. Now, because he is in fifth grade, I don't typically do that as much because it's bad. But before I did. <laughs> um, but I want him to know, I want him to know that I'm there. I also try to get involved in his TV shows, which are really stupid, like don't. Don't watch Uncle Grandpa. You will lose brain cells. I just don't understand it. His favorite celebrities. He likes... Uh, Justin Bieber? No. The Panthers quarterback, um, Cam Newton. Oh. Is that Cam Newton? It's Cam Newton, yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah. He likes him. I don't know much about Inside him. Inside joke if y'all know Cam Newton. I don't know much about him, but I try. I'm like, oh, he did. That was a good throw, right? Because I don't know. And then um, I try to be more present in his life. I try to make him feel that everything is okay. That's uh, an awesome story. That's just so powerful every time I hear it. Um, the consistency. I didn't cry this time. No, you did not. You actually did. That's good. Um, consistency allows us to have conversations with our kids um, because we're there for them. So some of these topics may be ones that are extremely uncomfortable for you to have, but you got to have them early and you got to have them often. And one of those topics is sexual purity. This is not a one-time conversation, okay? Your kid's not going to walk up to you and say, I need to know this. And you're going to be like, oh, help me, Jesus. And then you go and you have this wonderful conversation and you never have to talk about it again. What if they ask you when you're in the car? 
Because that's when talk, I always get asked. You can talk about it in the car. Just try and remember you got to keep your eyes on the road because sometimes you'll want to do that and go, no, I don't want to talk about that today. Okay? Um, but you need to be prepared to have these conversations. And you need to call things by what they are. This is, this is a big thing that a lot of people struggle with is calling things with the appropriate names. Okay? So if your kid asks you what that is that they've got, it's a penis, it's a vagina. You call them by their names. It's appropriate. Okay, so make sure that you're doing that. They need to know that they are made in the image of God. All right, affirm them in this stage. Don't let them feel bad or dirty for asking these kind of questions because it's important that they talk to you about it. Because I guarantee you, they're learning it from somebody. If they're not learning it from you, they're learning about it from the kid on the bus, the kids at school, the internet, any number of places. But you need to be the one who's driving that conversation. What about at sex ed in ninth grade? Well... (laughs) Yeah, that was a great thing. Tell them about that real quick. So Savannah had to take sex ed last year, and I was massively pregnant with her son, Cash. And she was the only kid in the whole class who could sit there and say penis and vagina without laughing. The only kid in the whole class, like out of 25 other girls. I was like, okay. Um, yeah, because a lot of them have never had to talk yeah. about it before. Um, also, you need to be present and consistent when it comes to technology. A lot of parents want to just hand their kids a phone, a tablet, or a computer, say, hop on and drive away. That is the wrong thing that you do, okay? You need to be ready to engage them, take the journey together when it comes to technology. You need to be in charge of the apps and the games that your kids have. If there's something you don't want them to have, this is the time to have an honest conversation with them because... If you remember back to when you were younger, and maybe even now in your life, if somebody tells you, you cannot do that, what's the first thing you want to do? do Go do that. So don't just tell your kids you can't have that. Give them an explanation as to why you don't want them to do that. Well, this game has kids beating up other kids and putting them in the hospital. That's why we don't want you to have that, because we don't think that that's how you should be living your life. Okay? And let them talk about it. Um, You need to affirm them. Ask yourself this question. Okay? Am I willing, as as a parent, to hand my phone to my child and let them look at anything on my phone? Okay, I've told my daughter she can look at anything that's on my phone at any time, with the exception of some emails from work that have some personal information in it. But other than that, I don't have anything to hide from her. She also knows the expectation is that we can come and look at her phone at any time and look at that. But it's a trust thing back between us. Okay? Um, So she knows then that she can trust me and I can trust her. Now... This doesn't mean that you guys are doing anything wrong as parents, okay? This is just talking through some of these things. You guys already have your own faith rhythms. You've already got your things in your house that you do, mealtime, prayer time at the end of the day. Um, all... You have to feed these kids too? Yeah, you do have to feed them. I'm sorry. <sighs> they, cost a lot, they cost a lot of money too. They really do. Um, but your kids just need to know that this matters to you and that you're consistently there for them, okay? Um, if you want to ever change your faith rhythms, change the things you're doing, that's okay to do. Just talk to them about it so they know why you're doing these things. Oh, uh, that's not what it said. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed my segue. (laughs) Your kids need to know that faith matters to your family. In Brickwood Kids, (laughs) we want to come alongside our families and echo what you guys are teaching in the house. What that means for us is we want to be able to walk alongside you. Very basic, very, this is how it is. If you're teaching about God, we're teaching about God. Y'all should teach about God because we're teaching about God. Okay. If you're teaching about bullies, let us know. If your kid's being bullied, let us know so we can get with our small group leaders and they can talk about how 
to compensate that at, not compensate, that's the wrong word. Deal with it? Yeah, okay, we'll go with deal with But deal with it. We want to be able to come alongside you guys. Brickwood Kids has small groups. We talked about that a little bit. We have volunteers who come in every Sunday. And they come in and they love on your kids. And they want to build that community. They want to call you and say, hey, does Johnny have a baseball game? I can't tell you how many volunteers I have that go watch these kids play. And yes, they have their own families. But they are there to watch their kids play. As a coordinator, I tend to go and watch my kids play. My volunteer kids. I go to softball games. I go to basketball games. Lacrosse and football. That seems to be my big ones lately. I don't have any cheerleaders anymore. No, I don't think you do. Lacrosse was the newest one, I think. Um, But we, you know, we want our kids to know who's in their small group. Andrea and Jeff have built a small community within their groups. And they run about 10 to 15, sometimes 22 kids in a class of third graders at 9 o'clock. And they love on these kids, and every kid knows who's coming to class. And if somebody new comes in the class, they kind of get snubbed, which is kind of a bad thing. But they're like, oh, there's somebody new. What's going on? But that's who they like. When Andrew was out last week and Jeff took all the kids, that was bad. Because <laughs> it's either they go there or they go there. Um, but we want our kids to feel like they're champions in our world. And we want our small group leaders to be able to pour into them and let them know how much that we love them and we care for them. Other things that Brickwood Kids offer is Gadget the Gizmos. It's Adventure Week 2017. That's our vacation Bible school. It's it's our, this is our shameless plug. Yes. Hey, did you know the volunteer registration opened today? Stop. You mean they can come to my laptop and sign on? Um, yeah, we can do that. All right. Later, yes. Or you can visit brickwoodchurch.org slash adventure. We can sign up there. Yes, ma'am. You certainly may. Yes, ma'am. Everybody's welcome. February 26th, the kid registration mm-hmm. will open. Yes. Now, if you volunteer now, correct me if I'm wrong, Stuart, they get to go ahead and pre-register? No. no, no I was you just will kidding. Be, the registration no. link will all be open on the 26th, but you can still go ahead and register now. Yes, that's right. And if yes. you have a preschooler and you volunteer all week, your preschooler can come too. It's fabulous. Yes. Um, it's one of my favorite things we do. Anyhow. We also offer baptism classes, and our next baptism class is February 5th. Um, Baptism ceremony will be on the 19th, which is President's Weekend. The kids are off school that Sunday, so if you want to have grandmas and grandpas come in town, it's a great time. And if it's cold, it will be inside at South Campus. It's February. It'll be inside. Okay. Well, you never know. (laughs) And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yes. We are currently working on... um, activities for to do with our families like we used to do movie night and then that kind of lost its luster we used to do um water like we rent out the water park how many y'all go to the discovery island water park that kind of lost its luster so we're trying to find other things that we can do but we want to do it as a family so we're looking at maybe like a kickball game yes ma'am well well, well, we got two out of, of 517. <laughs> yeah, we, our numbers had dropped dramatically on that one. <laughs> We're working on it. We're trying to revamp it. That's a better way. We're going to revamp things. Um, we have a tailgate thing coming up. Yes. Are we allowed to talk about that? Um, I'm sure we can. Okay, well, we have a tailgate thing coming up. If we're not, don't tell JC I said anything. We have a tailgate coming up. That is June the 4th, f- 4th after service. You come outside and play with us and have a good time and it's gonna be fabulous yes we don't know any more details than that right now 
But we also have ways that you can serve. So if you hear all these things and you want to step up, now's the time to do it. We have opportunities available all through Brookwood Kids. Especially in first through fourth grade. Or the welcome team. No. That's both of us. Welcome team doesn't need anything. <laughs> first through fourth grade. Yes, ma'am. No. You don't have to be a member. What will happen is you just can't have a like a major role. Like you could be a helper, but you don't have you wouldn't just be able to fill in one of our main roles. Okay, we're going to quickly talk, because we're getting close to being out of time, about some um, resources that we recommend. Um, So we've got uh, five different resources we're going to talk about real quick. The first is a technology book. It's called Parent Chat by a guy named Matt McKee. Uh, This is a very good uh, book. Matt uh, walks through how his son began seeing some things on the Internet he shouldn't be seeing. And it opened up a door to some great conversations for them to have a journey through technology, what they're adding into their families, how you need to approach technology. And uh, one of the things I really like is he wrote this in 2016. I think it's important when you're looking at technology resources to get current ones. Because I looked at some, I'm like, well, that sounds pretty good. It was written 12 years ago. So technology's changed a little bit since then. So that's a really good technology resource for you. Um, As far as uh, sexual purity, the one that we're recommending is this one's called The Talk by Luke Gilkerson, Seven Lessons to Introduce Your Child to Biblical Sexuality. It's a really long title. But what this one has in it, it's got um, seven different lessons in it that walk you through um, anatomy and way things work, but keeping it biblically grounded. There's also a part at the beginning of it that um, walks you through this book and what you can do with your kids, what you might want to talk about a little bit more. And then, um, because some of the things are pretty intense in there, there is a section in there on rape. It deals with um, Tamar being raped by her brother Amon in the Bible. So that's the kind of thing you need to talk about as parents to decide if your kid's ready for that yet. That's not saying you never will talk to them about that, but as a first grader, are they ready to have that conversation? Maybe not. Maybe that's a couple years down the road. Okay, and uh, Matt, I'm sorry, Luke Gilkerson uh, runs a company online called Covenant Eyes. They do a lot of um, online uh, kid security, and then they also do um, the accountability. Also, real quick, I know we're almost out of time. Oh, kid devotional. It's a 28 day. If you want to invest more in your kids, just get to know it. You guys can come up here and look at it. But it's just 28 days, and it just is a way for you to get in with your kids. And then we have a couple of parenting handbooks, Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. A great book. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good book because um, my kids want everything, so I have to read this often. But they, um, it tells you how you don't have to feel crummy for saying no to your kids. It's okay to tell them no. And then this one, Raising No More Perfect Kids, they're real, it's an eye-opener. Because for me, I wanted my kids to always appear to be perfect. And as you can tell, we're not. Um, But it's great because it allows you to look at your child through God's eyes, not through your own. If you have any questions about this message, you can reach us at our email, students at brookwoodchurch.org. If you have children of other ages, be sure to listen to our other podcasts labeled with the corresponding age group. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.